Let's stand together, open our Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14. We'll read verses 14 and 15. Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you. I'll not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. If you underline your Bibles or highlight, that's a good time and a good phrase. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved, but be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Now we skipped a verse because our focus is actually the one behind it. Once again, I want you to mark the phrase we're about ready to read. He said, I will gladly, what's it say? Spend and be spent for you. Let's read that all together. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'm going to speak on the subject tonight of spending and being spent. Old selflessness of Paul. When you see him introduced in the epistles, it's not Paul the church planner. Paul the amazing, outstanding, miracle-working apostle. It's Paul the servant. Paul the bondservant. You know we're okay with that terminology until people start treating us like a servant. We like to say, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just don't treat me like that. Treat me like I have position, prestige. Uh, I prefer that. But here's Paul. And of all places to say this, to speak this phrase to the church at Corinth, and we understand the context as we work our way through 2 Corinthians. What I don't want to do in each message is reiterate the context. You understand what he's dealing with. And it's not just the carnality in the church, but the rejection of his apostleship, the personal tax that he's facing as the founder of this church. We know in hindsight, one of the greatest church planners that's ever lived, an incredible apostle. But I just want to say a few simple things about this thought of being, of spending and being spent. Number one, uh, every, every single servant of God. Now we say ministers, I don't want you to mistake what I'm trying to say. I'm not talking about pastors, evangelists, and full-time servants and missionaries. I'm talking about any where you might be serving, in any, any ministry where you are serving, the philosophy that is biblical and Christ-like is, I will very gladly spend and be spent. Not just for pastors, not just for assistant pastors, but if you are going, Pastor, I, I would like to get involved. Be careful, we're talking about spending and being spent. Hey, Pastor, do you have a place where I can serve? Why don't you meditate on this phrase? Spending and being spent. Because it's not just for those in a lead position. It's not just for those in a very uh, highly visible place of calling. And go back with me to Luke 22. Keep your finger here. We'll be right back. This is Christ-like. Selflessness is the trait that most defined Christ in his time here on the earth. But I want you to see what Christ said concerning serving the world's philosophy and God's philosophy, but I also want you to consider the timing of this. 
This is right before his death. Look what he says, verse 25. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise what? They think, the world thinks of position and power as lordship. And they that exercise authority upon them are called what? Benefactors. If you're bringing this philosophy into serving God, you're going to be severely disappointed. If you think somehow, some way, you're going to be a benefactor. That's what ministry has become in the most recent years. Men seeking to use a position to become a benefactor. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth what? This is all about serving. For whether is greater, he that sitteth in meat or he that serveth. He said, I have a question for you. Is the person sitting at the table or the person serving the table, which is greater? Automatically, we know that answer that question. The person at the table is the one with the servant. So he has to be greater. Yet what category did Christ put himself in? Is not he that sitteth in meat, but I am among you as he that... Uh, he can say that because he's going to serve the disciples. He's going to wash their feet. He's set a pattern of serving. So go back with me for just a moment. Church, I want to commend you and encourage you because the Cap City is probably the, has the greatest collection of selfless servants that I know of any church on the planet. I'm grateful for that. Grateful for the staff we have and the teachers we have and Anywhere I go, people bring up our multitude of volunteers. And almost everywhere I go, people tell me, I can't keep paid staff. I can't keep paid teachers in a Christian school. I can't keep consistency with salaries. How do you do it with volunteers? I said, look at the process. (laughs) And do you ever worry, not me? Oh, no. I just pray my way through by faith and worry. (laughs) But I'm thankful for those that have the philosophy of I will be spent very, hold on, we're forgetting two words, very gladly. How many of you entered into that place of service with that philosophy? Very gladly. And halfway through, you lost the very. And then a little further through, you lost the gladly. And then at some point you just said, I'm being spent and I'm spending. And I don't have much more to spend or be spent. And somewhere in this process, you look at Paul, church after church, no real support until Philippi began to support him on some level. Not fully sustaining. Working day and night. And then when he wanted to switch things up, he would work night and day. Right? You say, when did he sleep? I have no idea. And if you ask him in heaven, he'll probably not remember all of that. God probably took that straight from his memory. But here's, here's true love in ministry. Verse 14 was a phrase we highlighted. I, I seek not yours. You know, I was the courting couple. Oh, I love the company I work for. You know who's... Seeking the benefit of both sides. That's not a true love relationship. 
You know what happens in marriage? You know what happens in courtship? And the two people get together. It wasn't based on selflessness, but selfishness. You attract me. You make me smile. Yeah. And we go into marriage saying, I'm seeking yours, but love grows into the place where we're saying, I'm not seeking yours, but you. Yes. I, I want to make sure this is all about you, not all about me, and that's what Paul was doing. He was actively spending. That means giving as much as a person could possibly give. How many of you volunteered to get involved in that ministry and you didn't realize the level of commitment in spending? So, uh, suddenly it's costing you, and not just time, but energy and emotions and money, and you say, I didn't know I signed up for all of this. Where's the reimbursement? Don't, don't we like the, the thought of reimbursement? God, if you could just reimburse me with, you know, the financial benefit or energy, because it takes energy, and I'm not at stage of life where I have additional energy, I don't have additional money, I don't have additional time, I don't have additional strength. Here's Paul making Tense. And he said, uh, I didn't take anything from you at church there at Corinth. The time I was there, it was me funding you, not you funding me. I was spending. I, now, this is, this is not about when you're in ministry and you're serving. This isn't about saving, but spending, giving, sacrificing. And this isn't misspending because it's spiritually investing. Most think they're spiritual investors until they get involved and God says, okay, so how much are you ready to invest? You going to nickel and dime this ministry? Are you going to give selflessly and spend? He didn't just stop at spending. He said, spend it. So one is active and the other one is passive. Spending, I'm, I'm spending and being spent. There are a lot of things I decide to do in ministry. There are a lot of things I decide to give. Uh, there are people that I help. Sometimes it's at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, sometimes it's years on end with no end in sight. Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's emotionally. But a lot of times we put a cap on that. So this is what I will Give, this is what I'll spend, and then they find a way through the back door to cost you something additional. You didn't choose that expense, you were just being spent. I realize that happens in marriage, it, it happens in a Sunday school class, it happens on a bus route. This is what I'm going to invest. I'm going to go there on Saturday, I'm going to show up for discipleship. But you get a call on Thursday night. And something's needed. So, so you spent and then are being spent. How many of you come to the realization that is true ministry? That is selflessly serving the Lord. And this is where people get a hiccup. Uh, they're a hitch in their, uh, their surrender and say, God, now this is what I'm willing to do, but I need to put it in a box because... Uh, $5 is where I'm maxing out uh, an hour of my time. To, if you're going into any ministry with a philosophy 
that this is what I'm willing to give and no more don't get in. Because you'll quit. You'll get worn out real quick. You'll become frustrated. Instead of an asset, you'll become a liability because at that point, when you have a limitation on how much God can use you and how much you'll spend and be spent, you're quickly going to become angry with the very people that you're supposed to be serving. Spending graciously, gladly. Uh, Let me ask you this. How many think you're serving people that are more imperfect than Paul was serving the church at Corinth? Have you read chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians? It's not a pretty chapter. Not only was that man committing sin with relative, the whole church knew about it. And of all things, I've often thought about the desecration of the Lord's Supper. Of all things that I want in our church to be heartfelt and holy, it's the Lord's Supper. And they were desecrating that. People were coming to eat lunch. It wasn't a good scene. But Paul said, I'm willing to spend and be spent. It's not just giving, it's not just giving and getting nothing in return, it's giving and expecting nothing in return. We're talking to some young men in Bible College in Carolina this week, and we're talking about disappointments and the fact that it's setting up expectations and having those expectations. Uh, unmet, and you you do that to yourself. And in ministry, you can do that to yourself because I'm going to get in, and I have expectations, and I'll give, but at some point, what I give is going to be dependent upon what is reciprocated. Can you imagine if God, how many, you do understand the Bible principle, love is not an exchange of favors. Love is not based on reciprocation. God has no intentions of saying, you do this for me, I'll do this for you. That's not the way true biblical godly love looks. And if we're going to be Christ-like, we're going to have to get to a place where we say, as Paul, I seek not yours but you. And it doesn't matter who you're serving. This can be a teenage class. How do we realize teenagers generally are not just full of gratitude, keen on expressing that gratitude, overflowing with ways to show that gratitude. Anybody ever come to that realization? But where is that group of people that you're in a minister that are just overflowing with gratitude? Is that the nursery? (laughs) Miss Ronson, how long were you in charge of the nursery? So in 20 years, how often, I'm talking about changing diapers, I'm talking about incredible smells, I'm talking about endless crying. So how often did one of those beautiful, precious, delightful bundles of joy show gratitude? Yeah. You you got that. About as often as the kindergartners show gratitude. And even when they try to show gratitude, it it comes out wrong. I've gotten three or four notes from kindergartners over the course of my life that start with these words, Dear Pester. Now, I'm guessing that mom or dad showed them how to spell that. <laughs> there was a little bit of instruction coming from the leadership in that home. But whatever the case, I don't care who you're going to serve. It can be college students, uh, the elderly, whoever you're dealing with. I know there are times we feel gratitude. We just poorly express our gratitude. 
But Paul was literally serving a bunch of ingrates. And he said, I'm not giving up on you. Matter of fact, he said for the third time. Now, you do know this church was not across the street. You, you do know how difficult it was for Paul to make it all the way over here. And then I have churches that we have planted, some that are on my favorite list to visit and some that are lower on my list to visit. But I've never had a church like Corinth because it might have been way down my list. And I can fly in a couple hours to the churches that I've planted. Paul had no flight, no modern transportation. This was a ridiculous endeavor to get over that church of Corinth. And I'm just telling you straight up, I don't know if I have the same spirituality. Uh, I know I don't have the same spirituality as Paul, but I know I'd, I would struggle with the thought of going through this kind of effort to get back to a church that had attacked me and doubted me and disappointed me on this level. But he said, I'm not seeking yours. And his proof was in the way he treated this local church body. And said, I will vary. This is the ending of the second book. This isn't six months into his ministry. This isn't the hope of what this church could become. It's the knowledge of what this church was when he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent. How many of you are years into your ministry and looking now at that moment of trouble and affliction, you feel like I have no more emotions, I have no more strength, I have no more energy, I have no more money, uh, you have cost me as much as I want to spend, but I will spend and be spent like a mother does with her child. But those that you're serving are not your children. You've seen this in motherhood. I'm, I'm talking about when dad is no longer ready to spend and be spent, mom still is. Honey, can we help him? He's 23. And she says, what does that have to do with it? He's our son. Can you imagine the conversations Nate and Macy are going to have in a couple years? Look at Nate's face. He's already settled that argument. There's nothing to discuss. But look at Macy's face. <laughs> Honey, Miles has always been a good kid. He's 28. <laughs> Mom says, if it's a meal, and Nate's going to say he can wash his own clothes. But he's in a hurry, and he doesn't have any time. And Nate's going to say, I don't care. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could take that mother, motherly philosophy into those that God has called us to serve yes. and say, I am willing to spend and be spent. I'm thankful for a godly example in this church that set a precedent in my life. Yes. Amen. I, I don't think for a minute, whether that was Argentina or Mexico or here or the Spanish church. Uh, I, I, people ask me, you pastored two churches? Yes, how long have you been doing it? Eight years. Uh, do you need the second salary? <laughs> Here's what I always say. I need the first salary. <laughs> there's, not, it, there's not 
additional income, there's additional outflow. There's not a physical, emotional, financial benefit. There's more being spent. And if we're not careful in life, here's what we do. We, we see a moment, uh, we have a moment, we sit through a service, there's a romantic idea concerning what service is in the work of God. And Paul pops that bubble and says, this is about spending. If you don't have an open wallet, if you don't have an open heart, if you don't understand, there's more against you than in your favor. Now, no, there's a younger generation the past 20 years, and when they're being interviewed, the first thing they ask that pastor, I'm talking about 22, getting ready to take on the big time as an assistant pastor, full of knowledge, straight out of Bible college. And they're asking, uh, so uh, tell me again what the salary is. Uh, talk to me about the benefits. Tell me about the health insurance. Is there a car included? You know what I'd say? <laughs> Thank you, you stole it right from my mouth. That's when I would use my German. Uh-huh, take a hike. Amen. And I bet they would understand my German. If that's your philosophy, you're not going to make it here. Hey, you, you know why we don't want to hire from the outside? Because we want to make sure that those that are working here at Capital City Baptist Church have been raised and trained under the same philosophy, which is, I will spend and be spent. You say there has to be a benefit. There are some benefits. Sometimes you get to sit 25 hours on a plane going to Malawi. And then the pastor turns you upside down and shakes every last dime out of your pocket before you leave. And you say, I don't have enough co- money for a coffee on the way home. You should have thought of that, about that before you came. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You, you know what? I believe this is the only kind of Christian that actually scares Satan. Oh, he's so misspeak. Oh, Satan is after me. He's attacked. He doesn't even have a minion after you. I mean, if he had one of his minions approach, he'd be like, I'll leave that guy alone. <laughs> He's doing my work half the time. <laughs> Look what it says in verse 17. Did I make gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? Paul, Paul said, I didn't even include anyone in your lives that didn't have the same philosophy. I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Now, not only must all minister servants have this kind of philosophy, but we, we've got to bring others into our ministries. Our recruits have to have the same philosophy. We have to be training others with the same philosophy. I want our Bible college to be about the servants of God. I, I go to places, I go to kids that aren't even involved. Not, not serving on any level. You, you better young people. You say, well, I'm, I'm, this, this message just confirmed that I'm not called to ministry. You're saying, I want to volunteer 
to serve. That is Christ-like. If you reflect Christ, this is it. I'm willing to spend. We know the grace of God. Oh, we're talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was rich, but he became poorer than we. The, the wheat through his, his great riches, but through him making himself poor, we might be made rich. That is grace. That is true biblical Christ-like servants. You, you tell me what benefit Ben has gotten through all these years of working with three-year-olds and four-year-olds. There, there was a day way back Ben came to me, he said, Preacher, I, I, I just feel like there are more people, more qualified. I said, no, Ben, if, if this is your resignation paper, don't drop it on my desk. Just take it straight to the, to the toilet, to the trash can, not work it. Mm. Hey, Pastor, you don't have anyone more qualified? I, had, I don't have anyone. <laughs> this kind of cheerfully, happily, prayerfully, carefully invest in the three and four and five-year-olds of this church. So if I'm not preaching your funeral, you've got no resignation papers. <laughs> Folks, I'm, I'm just telling you, when it comes to service of God, I thank God for this philosophy. I thank God, uh, Pastor Bob and Laura, you want to talk about selfless? Yes. I mean, they came out of the Civil War. Walked... <laughs> Walked in World War I, Great Depression, came out of that, World War II, Vietnam. I mean, what can take this couple down? Amen. When you've served under General Lee, you can serve under Adam Thompson. There hasn't been many benefits there for Pastor Bob and Lori. But you have a selfless spirit that says, we will spend what they have spent on this church can never be repaid them. What they've invested. And you're looking at the investments. Thank God for our teachers and our, our leaders. And we're talking about lifers. They've been in it forever. What, the, what they have financially invested in the events and in the Sunday school classes and in the Christian school. Can you imagine if, if uh, Jeremy and Kate one day just sat down and said, Pastor, we're going to write you a bill for all that we've invested in Capital City. I'd be like, just take the building. <laughs> Can you imagine if we ever had to repay Jeannie? Can you imagine if she just sent us a bill for all the time she's washed the windows, vacuumed the floors? You know how many times uh, from the first day I walked in here, uh, I'll show up when, on days when no one's supposed to be at this building and there'll be Jeannie, like a machine. Yeah. Have you ever seen the commercial for the Energizer batteries? That's Jeannie in that costume. <laughs> I'm astounded at the sacrifice and the willingness and the selflessness. If you ever traveled to a foreign country, you'll realize most of the time you don't want to stay in the hotels. If you travel with Gene, normally you'll hop and find a different hotel. But if you travel with Brother Gear, he stays with the Nationals. 
for weeks and sometimes months. I will spend and be spent for you. <laughs> but that does not include all the nations of the world. There's just a selflessness. And here's what happens. The longer I'm around this congregation and the more I see our people serve, the more I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the selflessness. If, if you had seen, folks, if we just put up a video tonight, it'd be a really long video, of everything that Nate has fixed over the past 20 years concerning the houses of the members of this church from water heaters to roofs replaced. There's just a selflessness that says, I will spend it and be spent. But it can't just be the top leadership, the top echelon. It has to be everyone involved in that ministry and capital city. I don't care what's going on around the world, and I get sick and tired of people comparing themselves with other ministries to make themselves feel better or feel worse. Let's compare ourselves to Christ. Christ has set the supreme example. The supreme example has said it's selfless. There's no selfishness involved here. Now, look what it says in verse 9. He said to me, what's the next phrase? My grace is sufficient. Why, why would he say my grace is sufficient? God said, whatever your problem is, whatever thorn you're dealing with, whatever headache you have, uh, whenever you feel like you have no gas left in the grace tank, my grace is sufficient. Now, why would he say this? Go back to verse 15. I'll very gladly spend and be spent for you, though, what's it say? The more Paul chose to love more, to spend more, and the people chose to love less and demand more. Be careful because if you're in ministry, you're going to reach a point where Satan gets you to question your investment. Hey, he's going to say, it seems to me like you spend and spend and spend and don't ever get much return. And he's going to be absolutely right. Matter of fact, the tendency of human nature is the more that is given, the less appreciation is shown. I have preachers say, well, if you have all those ministries and everything is free of charge, you're establishing a very poor habit. And I always say, oh, no, that habit's already established. Ingratitude is in the heart of everyone. Well, don't you think you're going to deal with ingratitude? Yes, but then I ask, don't you think you deal with ingratitude? Who doesn't deal with ingratitude? Aren't, aren't we unique in the thoughts that I'm the only one that ever has to serve ingrates? Mothers even feel that. I'm talking about supreme examples in selflessness. Mothers, even mothers occasionally reach a point, a breaking point, where they look at it and say, I am sick and tired. And I'm sick of being tired. And then that little rascal says, to you, before you finish your phrase, I am sick, and he says, and tired. <laughs> and you say, you little ingrain, I made your breakfast, I washed your clothes, I took you to school, you could at least look me in the eyeballs and say, thank you, mom. But no, your dad didn't even do that. <laughs> you know why she said that? She reached a point in her mind where she said, can someone please show a little bit of gratitude? And the answer to that question is usually no. So if you're waiting, if, if, I'm not going to say if you're motive, because I don't believe anyone here has the motive of 
of receiving gratitude. But you do have a desire. How many realize the difference between a motive and a desire? Oh, all of us feel pretty good. When one out of ten of the little lepers that we serve (laughs) says thank you, right? It doesn't matter if it's a card or a text. Folks, if I was waiting on a card or a text, no, I, I thank God for the occasional act of gratitude or expression of gratitude. I thank God for that. But if in any way that affects my level of commitment, if in any way that, that changes. Now, mothers, once again, I want to use you as an example. How many of you say, well, okay, you may think it once in a while. Okay, those little ingrates, I'm just not going to cook them a meal and see how they do. And then it gets closer to supper time. And you pull out the steaks and the bacon and the biscuits and the gravy. I don't want them to starve to death. One lesson is not going to help them starve to death. Trust me, they'll make it. But you know what we do in, in life? When we kind of hit bottom, we'd, we'd look around and say, uh, I could certainly serve better. I could certainly do better if I had some expression of gratitude. And I think... That is a good thing, but if you go in with those level of expectations, whether it's a math class or a Sunday school class or a master's club moment or a teenager outing, I don't care what. When you go to the mission field, I'll tell you what, in every church plant that we had, I sustained those churches for years. And you go out and buy everyone a meal. And you'll get one out of 30 ingrates. They'll actually walk up to you and say, oh, thank you, preacher. And they don't realize that was Kim's house decoration money that I just spent to put food in your belly. Paul said, I will very gladly, what? Spend. Now, let me say the last thing, we're done. Church, let's reverse roles for a minute. Not those that are serving, but those that are being served. You need to be aware of diminishing love over time. This in marriage, this in ministry, the more you receive, the more you expect. Kids, those of you that are in school, you have teachers that come here. They pay their own gas. They do. You know what it costs just to put kids in a daycare center? You know what? We, we have girls here that make 20 bucks an hour, 25 bucks an hour to watch two kids. And we have teachers not watching, but teaching entire classes of their own goodwill. And they show up the next day, and they do it the next day, and then they do it the next year, and they do it with a smile, and they do it when they're sick, and they do it when they're tired, and they do it when they're sick and tired. And then an ingrate couldn't even bring a little love gift, a meal, or put on a smile. Matter of fact, they'll put themselves in the chair in the morning and say, aren't you glad I'm here today? <laughs> the answer to that question is absolutely not. You could be sick more often and help us all out. <laughs> be careful because church, here's what Paul said. I mean, he was just straight up with these people. He said, the, less, the more I love, the less I am loved. All of us know this and all of us feel this. 
So here's what we need to do. Whenever we are in a spot where we are the ones being served, we need to make sure that we're checking our gratitude and how often we're expressing gratitude because we reap what we sow. So all of us have a dual position as the one serving and the one being served. So if you're at the meal and someone is serving you, go out of your way to express gratitude to the cooks and the people serving. And if you're the one that is serving the meal, remember this, the more often you do it, the less gratitude is going to be shown. Think they really get up on Miss Sullivan's shoulders. Say, you have been doing this for years. And it seems like fewer and fewer people notice how long this week is and how tired you can get and how the group constantly grows. And now pastor always invites more and then more people stay and then more kids stay. And I'm like a magnet for hungry people. <laughs> Can someone just say thank you after the meal besides Brother Camillary? Only because he wants a second or third piece of cheesecake? <laughs> Can anybody feel Paul's pain? But here's what he said. I spent, and it's very gladly that I'm spent, and that I'm spending and being spent. But church, I just want you to know there's a problem. The more abundantly I love you. Have not noticed that Paul wasn't loving them less? He was loving them more. His love was growing deeper. Because when you're dealing with this kind of criticism and attacks and you continue to up your game and not back away, Paul didn't write them off. And here's what we do. Human nature almost always tends to serve those, choose a place of service where there is some level of reciprocal behavior, reward, recompense. Church, here's all we need to know. Our reward is from the Lord. Oh, pastor, that sounds great. I love the cliche. But at the end of the day, it nice to have an earthly reward too. Oh, I'm in favor of that. Amen? I'm sorry, I'm not one of those selfless pastors that says, oh, thank God for the mansion. Don't worry about me, guys. Take that somewhere else. If you got some gratitude, you package that up and show it somewhere else. You leave me all alone with that whole idea of gratitude. That concept of love, send me some more hatred. We all like a little up. But what that ought to do is motivate us to say, I want to make sure when I'm being served that I express love and make others feel love and appreciate it. Amen. I very gladly, let's say it together, I very gladly spend and be spent.